What is our standard when we come to our spiritual life? What do you expect of yourself? When you consider your faith, your spiritual life, what is your goal? A couple years ago, there was this commercial with Russell Wilson. He's a famous quarterback. He plays now for the Denver Broncos. And I think it was an American family insurance commercial. And he's twirling a football, throwing it up in the air, and he says, dreams don't come true, dreams are made true. Dreams don't come true, dreams are made true. And this commercial always kind of bugged me, bothered me, because that's really not the case. I had a dream to play in the NHL. I could have practiced all day, every night. I was never good enough to play in the NHL. (laughs) There's some things we just cannot do no matter what our dreams are. Not everyone can become a professional football player or a hockey player, or the President of the United States. But everyone can, and every Catholic is expected to become holy. The Cartusians, their religious order, maybe the strictest in the church, they pray a lot, they're basically silent all the time. Um, They do extreme fasts, they don't eat much. Um, Even their cemeteries, in a sense, are strict that they don't even have names on the tombs of these monks. They realize, no, God knows who they are. And anyways, in the 19th century, there were some monks that were digging a grave in order to bury one of their brothers who just died, and they came upon another grave. And they opened up that grave, and inside that coffin was an incorrupt monk. You're not familiar with what an incorruptible body is. Um, normal bodies, when they are buried, they decompose. But there, in the history of the church, there's numerous saints whose bodies, after death, don't decompose like a, like a normal body. And so the church has always seen this as evidence of God saying, hey, this man or this woman is holy. <laughs> and the church uses that in the consideration for canonization. And so anyways, these monks, they, these Carthusians monks come upon this body and they're like, oh, what do we do? Let's, let's contact the superior. So they call up, you know, most reverend father. They say, hey, we came across this grave, incorrupt body, what should we do? And the superior, he says, holiness isn't exceptional, it's expected. Just bury him again. Holiness isn't exceptional, it's expected. Just bury him again. What is our standard of holiness? Jesus says today, when you have done all you have been commanded, say we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we were obliged to do. It's so tempting for us humans, for us Catholics, to think that by me being Catholic, going to Mass, following church teaching, that I'm doing God a favor, that he should be grateful to me. When it's a matter of justice, we simply owe God our worship and our obedience, just like you owe your parents respect and we owe our country loyalty, patriotism. 
Being obedient to God's commands, seeking to love him with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, seeking to love my neighbor as myself, seeking holiness. We are just unprofitable servants. We are obliged to do it. From the Second Vatican Council is what is called the universal call to holiness. And it's really nothing new. Scripture is about it. The church has always taught it, but not always emphasized. But explicitly in the Second Vatican Council is this quotation. Therefore, in the church, everyone, whether belonging to the hierarchy, that's priests and bishops, or being cared for by it, that's all of you, is called to holiness. According to the saying of the Apostle Paul, quote, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And right, Jesus says many times elsewhere, but especially he says in that one place, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Holiness is not just for priests or monks or religious sisters, it's for everyone. Sometimes we don't realize, though, that our faith is something that we can grow in, that it's not just a hobby or part of my life. But the idea truly is that a person grows in holiness, we're transformed. They're conformed more and more to the image of Christ. St. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. The great Spanish Carmelite saint, St. Teresa of Avila, from the 16th century, she speaks of the spiritual life as a castle, the image of a castle. In fact, I didn't bring it, but her book, I'm actually reading it right now, called The Interior Castle. And in this castle are seven levels of mansions or dwellings. And the spiritual life, growth, and holiness is moving from one mansion to the next to the next, to the innermost mansion where God dwells in the soul, where this is a spiritual marriage, in a sense, a heaven before we go to heaven. Outside the castle... In a sense, that's the state of sin, mortal sin. You're separated from God. For example, if we aren't even going to Mass every Sunday, you aren't even in the castle yet. How do you enter the castle? Repentance. One simple confession. And then it's the first mansions. You're in the castle. These are the souls who have been forgiven of mortal sins in a state of grace. But those vices, those sins... You know, we still look back and we still want to do them. You know, we still have a desire to commit those sins, but we just kind of have a strong enough will to avoid them. How do we move to the next mansions? St. Teresa mentions a few things, but she says it's most importantly prayer and humility. Daily prayer, giving that time to the Lord and growth in humility. That's how we move through mansion to mansion. In the second mansion, these are the souls that are detached from the desire somewhat to commit those serious sins. But they still routinely commit venial sins, such as as gossip and other venial sins. Here, the soul clings to its possessions, very worldly still. It desires worldly honor doesn't do much extra penances or sacrifices, just kind of does the minimum. The third mansion, the souls in the third mansion are those who try to avoid even venial sins. 
They use their time well. They pray when they can. They do extra acts of penance. They sacrifice comfort and perform acts of charity for others. Here a person may actually experience more dryness in their prayer as God is calling them to a deeper trust in him. I was going to say those of us who are at Mass here today, either you have no natural desire for football or you're at least in this third mansion that you're okay being away from the Vikings game at this time. So some growth there, that's good. The fourth mansion, these souls continue to detach themselves from anything that is not of the will of God. They seek recollection when it doesn't interfere with their duties and responsibilities. And it's in this fourth mansion that the, the Lord actually blesses them with a, actual, a supernatural type of prayer called prayer of quiet. It's a prayer that the soul can't achieve on her own. The fifth mansion's An even more particular type of prayer is granted to these souls, the prayer of union. Here the soul loves God with such an intensity that it's even forgetful of itself. The fruits of this prayer are more intense and transformative. They include a desire to always praise God, to do penance, and even a desire to suffer for God and for his glory. And they desire even greater solitude. Then you have the sixth and the seventh mansions, which are that spiritual marriage. And to realize the point of it is that's even possible here on earth. That's the point, to become holy, to become perfected here before we die. Where would you place yourself in your interior castle? What do you need to do to continue to move to the next level of mansions in your life It's important that we pray about this. This could be this next week in your prayer to take that to the Lord, relate it to the Lord. Lord, where am I in my relationship to you? And ask for that grace to move further towards the Lord to that next mansion. My friends, we cannot settle for mediocrity doing the minimum. We cannot think that just coming to Mass is all that special and sufficient for holiness but rather seek holiness and God's will in your life and then say, like Jesus says in the gospel, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what we are obliged to do. Why? Because that is love. Love and love God. Because when we love, we do not count the cost. When we truly love the other, nothing is ever enough for them.